How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Final inspection. Final inspection. Now. Dennis Michelson of D-Mike Media is here to give us the inside track on NASCAR and the world of short track racing. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Steve Zotke along with my trusty sidekick, Jeff Orlowski. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. It is. Mr. Dennis Michelson from D Mike Media, CEO, President, CFO. El Presidente. Yeah, El Generalissimo. <laughs> Dennis, welcome to the show, I, sir. I wear a lot of hats, which is actually really good for a bald guy. Yeah. I can I can picture you in one of the, the big like a Napoleon hat, one of those big real <laughs> you know, that, that looks like they're on sideways. That's the CEO hat. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And yeah, then with a with a walking stick, not a cane, but a walking stick though. You know hit small kids stick. with. I like that. <laughs> well, and tomorrow you gotta bust out the sombrero for Cinco de Mayo and walk around with the chalice full of uh, margaritas. I like it. But I are you drinking are you drinking mint juleps today? Oh are you kidding me? Uh, I grew up in a horse racing family. Really? Um, See, my, now, this yeah. is something I did not know. This is interesting. Yes, my dad, that was his hobby, and it was always his dream to own a horse. And so he actually, when I was a teenager, bought a harness horse along with some of um, my dad's friends from the track. And it was so funny. I remember when he when he presented this, uh, this proposition to my mom, and she said, sure, you can do that, but you have to win the money at the track. And he did. And so it took him about uh, three weeks is all it took him to uh, to win the $2,000 to go in as partners. And uh, we won about seven or eight races uh, in about a year and a half. So it was uh, quite a quite a lot of fun and uh, grew up around the horse racing. So um, a lot of lot of fun. So I've always been kind of hooked on the derby and actually one of my very first professional jobs in media was handicapping for the Gordon's tip sheet uh, every summer when their uh, main guy tip off. So that huh. was kind of fun. Um, I, I actually did a did a scientific study on uh, on factors that go into horse racing, and uh, they were using it at the Gordon's tip sheet back in the 1970s. Interesting. Uh, you know who was a har- harness racer? was the famous race car driver and the last winner on the beach at Daytona, Paul Goldsmith. Oh, yeah. Yep, he was. Yeah. And there's been a a few people. people. Yeah, there's been a few people involved in in horse racing over the years, Uh, most notably A.J. Foyt, who who never got uh, – he's got horses into the preliminary uh, races uh, before the Derby, but not in the Derby itself. But was very active, and his uh, son 
uh, is active in it, A.J. the second. No, A.J. the third, sorry. A lot of sports guys, sports team owners, race car drivers, race owners uh, do dabble in the horse racing business. It's uh, it, it's a it's a nice little uh, pastime if you got a lot of you know it's just like racing. That's why they love it. Mm-hmm. You know the secret to making a a small fortune in horse racing is first you start out with a large fortune and then you go racing. Um, so it's it's very similar in that way to uh, to auto racing that you you can lose a lot of money uh, while having a lot of fun. Well, I have no fortune, Dennis, but uh, if I sc- uh, scrape together a few uh, couch dollars, what horse should I put it on? Well, I usually do not pick favorites, but I am changing that up because I think the post time favorite, although he should go off at least three to four to one. Uh, will be maximum security, and I like his chances. Track is a little on the soft side uh, due to a lot of rain down there and probably more on the way before race time. So uh, I would go with maximum security. He won uh, a while back uh, on a sloppy track. He's one of the few horses to show a line on a sloppy track, track, and he won the Florida Derby, won the Stout Field, but uh, Omaha Beach, the uh, horse that got scratched out, was uh, was going to probably take this one handily. And now it is a pretty wide open race, but I like maximum security. All right. Yeah, I made my pick earlier of Code of Honor. So uh, we shall see. Right now he's sitting at 12 to 1, so not, uh, not a favorite, but still a decent chance to make some healthy coin if he comes through. My, my inside yeah, info on uh, maximum security is kind of a bit like Rashawn Gary. He could be a boom or bust prospect. He's either going to win it or he could finish last. He's thrown in some real dog races here, um, you know, for bad workouts, the whole deal. He, he is a little temperamental. As far as a long shot, I like War of Will to be an upset try. So uh, he's uh, currently uh, expected to go off about 17 to 20 to 1. So uh, a couple of good picks. There's there's really no bad pick at the Derby because these horses have never gone a mile and a quarter in their lives, and they have never faced a field of, you know, more than 12 horses. So traffic, good jockey uh, positioning early on, and a lot of factors go in. That's why you can get the upsets like mine that bird years ago at 50 to 1. So should be a lot of fun. Uh, Derby looks pretty good. Uh, Omaha Beach will be back, though, and should cream everybody in the Belmont. Well, should we do our let's do our derby picks now then? Uh, since I got mine and you got you, Dennis, you did, well, we'll give Jeff a second here to get his unless well, he's ready. Dennis took maximum security. I took code of honor. Okay, and uh, I'm I'm going to go with the chalk. I'm going to go with improbable. But let's do a long shot too then. So your long shot was who again? War of Will. Okay, I'm going to go with Boat Express as my long shot. You see, I'm sorry. Um... War Wills, War of Wills, War of Will, War of Wills. All right, as I'm trying to uh, actually War of Will, singular. To write these down here. Um, all right, my long shot. I am going to go with. Oh, do I choose the, the guy who's sitting ninety nine to one right now? No, uh, I will go with uh, win, win, win. As my long shot. Win, win. I don't even see win, win, win. We got him right now listed at 15 to 1. Oh, okay. So, 
All right, sounds good. Dennis, what do you think about uh, NASCAR going back to single-car uh, qualifying? It's kind of funny because they, they did sort of uh, follow along with kind of what we said here a few weeks ago that, you know, qualifying isn't supposed to be a show. It's supposed to decide who's got the fastest car. And the only proper way to do that uh, on an oval track with this package is to send them out one at a time because drafting has been so huge. Mm -hmm. Now, if they ever go back and do the other thing that I've been beating the drum about and dumb the aero package down, follow a guy, you know, this guy, Dan Gurney, you may have heard of him. (laughs) He kind of had a pretty good career back in the day. Uh, His whole philosophy, give him more horsepower and less downforce, and that gives you the best racing. We've been going the opposite way from that. Uh, We've been going up on the downforce, down on the horsepower, then to slow the cars down. If you just dirty up the air, guys will have to slow down going into the corner, or they will crash. There's no two ways about it. Plus, they just need to get these cars where they can take a little bit of beating and banging again. That's what made NASCAR famous. You know, it wasn't that people were wrecking each other on purpose. It was the fact that you could lean on each other. The old philosophy of eight tires being better than four, you know, especially at a short track where you get under somebody, you muscle them a little bit and get by them. That is impossible to do in today's NASCAR without screwing up your tires. Most surprisingly was all the talking heads on the NASCAR shows were in favor of the new change. Can you believe that? Everybody loved the new change in NASCAR on all the talking head shows. And well, I think they got the memo. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's it's funny. You know, um, listening to a lot of the so-called experts now, there's only a few of them that I really think speak their mind. The rest do speak to the NASCAR talking points, that this is, you know, a better way of doing things. They said that about group qualifying, though. So now they can't say that about single-car <laughs> qualifying because they'll be going back on what they said. But then again, that's just like our politicians. You know, they don't realize that such a thing as digital recording is is a thing. The uh, Chase Elliott's on a run, and he could. This run could continue. Uh, of course, the winner last week at Talladega gets to pull at Dover, and he won there. Of course, last year, he also won at the next race or at the next track, I should say, which is Kansas. Yeah, I was just telling Jeff in the previous segment how. It's interesting how we were kind of burying uh, Hendrick Motorsport, and now all of a sudden uh, Chase Elliott and then the Chevy car seems to be the hottest setup right now. It really says a lot for Chase Elliott, doesn't it? Because we're not seeing – I mean, we're seeing better performances guys, by guys like Alex Bowman and uh, William Byron and Jimmy Johnson, but Chase Elliott is far superior over all three of those guys. And one of those guys actually won seven championships. So when you're doing better in this style of car than a seven-time champion, you are really on a roll. So great to see Chase Elliott doing well. You know, I've never believed that there was a chosen one at Hendrick Motorsports. We always used to hear that. Oh, he's getting the best equipment. The other guys are getting jumped. I don't believe that. I've been to Hendrick Motorsports. I've watched the dyno of engines. Every engine that goes out of that shop has to be within three horsepower or it's not 
used in a, you know, of each other, or it's not used in a race. So if they're that even as far as producing equipment for their teams, you, then it's only the driver and the crew chief that are the factors that are different. And he's been far superior to everybody. Now, that doesn't mean that he's a better driver than Jimmy Johnson. Please don't take me to mean that. What I'm saying is in this package, which is less engine, more downforce, Chase Elliott has taken to this better. Case in point in NASCAR history, when they, you know, this is an old-timer thing talking now. When they first switched from bias flight tires to radial, Dale Earnhardt Mm -hmm. was awful. For a year and a half, almost two years, he struggled on the radials until he changed his style of driving. It takes a while. And sometimes when you make these massive changes, because there's a lot more downforce on these cars with that huge spoiler. They went from three inches, three and a half inches, to nine inches on the spoiler, on the rear spoiler. That is a lot of downforce. They also increased the front downforce with the way they did that pan and splitter thing under the car. So in a higher downforce package, Jimmy Johnson is struggling because he was used to a driving style and notes that were based on the old packages that NASCAR has thrown at these guys. This is the most downforce since Jimmy Johnson's been racing in NASCAR, and he's not taking to it. Chase Elliott, on the other hand, has been really good, you know, coming up through the ranks in the Xfinity cars, which are more of a momentum car. And that's similar to what we have now in the Cup Series. Very good points, Dennis. Uh, Let's take a quick break now, and we'll come back. We'll talk more NASCAR with Dennis Michelson coming up on the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. Final Inspection. Final Inspection. Now, Dennis Michelson of D-Mike Media is here to give us the inside track on NASCAR and the world of short track racing. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Steve Zotke along with Jeff Orlowski and Dennis Michelson joining us. And uh, last week, Talladega, of course, Chase Elliott, the big winner there. But a fantastic crowd at the Talladega Speedway. And that's that's been one of the mainstays. If you want to talk about, well, I got a friend from Alabama. He goes, uh, he goes uh, you know, NASCAR is the number one sport in Alabama. I go, I thought. I thought college football was. He goes, no, that's our religion. <laughs> so, and and I, you know, that is, you know, Talladega remains to be their NASCAR's strong point, isn't it, when it comes to crowds and everything else? Yeah. It, it, and here's the thing: if you look at television ratings, we always talk about, oh, television ratings are down. They're, they're down here. They're down there. But we never really talk about the breakdowns by sort of region of the country. If you look at traditional NASCAR land, meaning the southeast, meaning Alabama, you know, meaning Florida, meaning Georgia, meaning the Carolinas, you look at their ratings, and Alabama's ratings are just as good as they were when NASCAR sort of peaked out in popularity around 2004, 2005, before they started seeing the, the television ratings drop. 
the television ratings have not dropped in the state of Alabama. It is still a big deal there, and so is the race weekend at Talladega. If you've never been to Talladega, though, people show up for more than just the race itself. The experience in the infield, the only thing that I've ever been to that even comes close to the insanity uh, there is Brainerd Speedway on an NHRA weekend with the drag racers. That place is nuts as well. But Talladega is a special kind of crazy. I'm just amazed that the stands were full because that means that people, enough people survived party Saturday night. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it was great. I, you know, after what we've seen recently and that, that oh, that sickening look of all those seats empty at Bristol, I was cheering to see all of those people at Talladega. It tells me that what I said is, is kind of right. You know, it, NASCAR is having some tough times now. There's no question about it. They've got a lot of things on their plate to solve when it comes to the racing product, to money for drivers and everything else with the sponsorship changing uh, so rapidly and, and com- companies not finding the return on investment in the sport like they used to a few years ago. But when it comes to attendance, when it comes to television ratings, NASCAR is still the king. You know, we talk about IndyCar growing on television ratings, and they're seeing big surges, but their ratings are still minuscule compared to the worst NASCAR race. So uh, great to see Talladega still being Talladega. Yeah, what I liked, uh, what I saw last week, Dennis, Atlanta, you know, unfortunately they're taking out seats, but they're not just going to raz one of the grandstands. You know, they're like eliminating every other row to give uh, the fans more leg room. They're going to put like a uh, beverage shelf and stuff like that in so you got a place to hold your beer, all that. I think that that helps improve the fan experience and helps entice people to go out to the track more where you're not worried about sitting on a hard bench for three and a half hours with your knees embedded in somebody's back. That seems to be like a much better idea than just ripping down a whole grandstand. Yeah, I, I saw that this week, and I was cheering because I love the management down there in Atlanta. They've been faced with a lot of difficulties with getting lousy dates for their races. But in you know defense to the uh, the folks, the corporate owners of the track and the NASCAR, they weren't drawing on the good dates. So give the good dates to somebody who is drawing. But I was glad to see that because this echoes exactly what Scott Paddock has done at Chicagoland Speedway. Instead of taking the philosophy of let's pack as many people in here as sardines, how about we just charge a couple bucks more versus what you might want to do to get the stands packed and give people value for their money? And I've seen that with things like – you know, the Champions Park that they added at Chicagoland Speedway and all kinds of things, all kinds of special things for the fans. But when you go down to Chicagoland Speedway now, it's more than just a race. And it's a beautiful facility. Um, and I, I think Atlanta is so wise to take that same idea. And, you know, we talked about the raising of the grandstands at Daytona, but when they changed all of that uh, configuration of the stands there, they did a lot of that same thing. They gave more butt space to the fans on the front stretch, and it's paying off. They, they build all those seats uh, for the Daytona 500. 
Getting back to Dover, I, I thought this was interesting. I wonder if this could be an issue tomorrow. Uh, if you look at the the lineup, of course, you have Chase Elliott qualified at twenty one point the time of twenty one point six, uh, qualifying speed of one sixty five nine, almost one hundred and sixty six miles an hour. The last person to take a speed or the lowest was uh, the great Quinn Hoff, uh, who was twenty three point four, which is just over two seconds, one hundred and fifty three point four, about twelve miles an hour off. And is are, is lap traffic going to be an issue uh, tomorrow, Dennis? It usually is at Delver. These lap speeds are so fast. And here's where the corner speeds are, where they're picking up. They showed a great graphic with that uh, with that, that cool thing with the shadow car that they do. Um, and they showed that the, the practice speeds this year versus last practice last year were about a half a second faster, but all of the gain was in the corners. You could see it graphically by the cars pulling away from each other in the corners and that's going to be the case well when you're in the corners that's where you're trying to pass and at dilber the corners are wide the straightaway narrows down so as you try to pass if you get caught in the wrong spot at the wrong time as that track narrows you're going to see some mayhem so yeah i think uh, dover will will kind of cure itself of not having a rump because the uh, slower lap traffic will probably reel the uh, the leader back into the second and third place car but Again, uh, very troublesome to see air, uh, clean air, such a factor in that truck race last night, except the fact that we had, of course, the greatest driver in the truck series and a Wisconsin guy. God bless America. Johnny Sauter <laughs> getting the win Yeah, we, at, at, at Dover. Yeah, we mentioned that in the first segment, how great it was to see a veteran, you know, just chipping away, making his car better every single pit stop. And, you know, he definitely didn't start out the race with the fastest truck. You know, uh, Creed and Moffitt and, and those kind of guys had better trucks than him. But, you know, that's part of the benefit of having a veteran driver behind your truck is that, you know, you work on it, you know, every single stop, and then you're there at the end, and that was a heck of a finish. Uh, what, uh, you know, I, obviously you got Chase Elliott on the pole. You got Byron sharing the front row. Jimmy Johnson was super strong during happy hour today. Looks like Hendrick is going to be strong tomorrow. Uh, who's your pick for the race tomorrow? Oh, don't laugh at me because I'm going to give you a horse racing analogy on this pick. Because remember that system that I talked to you about? There was a kind of a computerized, you know, logical system of forecasting horse racing. It did a really good job of catching the improving young horses as they were going up in class against the better older horses. And, it, uh, you know, every once in a while, the same theory that I have for a writing system I use in NASCAR. And years ago, this forecasted a win by Jeff Burton at Texas Motor Speedway, first win of his career. And I was shocked when I did the ratings this week that there was a driver that finally hit those magical numbers to forecast a first win for him. Now, he didn't qualify as good as I'd like to see him, but I am going out on the limb, very thin limb. I'm a big chubby guy going out on that, that thin limb, and I am forecasting Daniel Suarez to get his first win of the year uh, and his career in Cup at Dover Motor Speedway. He is a, Dover's been good to this kid. And I, I think he's going to pull off the upset, even though he's coming from 14th to do it. 
Wow. Well, I'm going to pick Chalk. I'm going with Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott's the logical choice. Don't get me wrong. He was on the top of the ratings. But sometimes it's more than the numbers. It's who's rising the fastest. And Daniel Suarez is coming to a good track at a time that he's picking up his consistency at tracks he doesn't do particularly well at. That's what tipped it. Chase Elliott's the logical pick. Um, but I like to go with the upset. Well, I am going to uh, – Dennis has kind of convinced me here. And uh, I am going to go with another first-time winner at the Monster Mile tomorrow. Uh-oh. Uh, give me Mr. Alex Bowman. I was looking at him. Ooh. Yeah. Bowman the showman. This yeah, Bowman the showman to do the hat dance in victory lane. I like that pick. I like all the picks. Actually, I like your Suarez pick too. If I you know, if I was a betting man, I would certainly do you know do the. I in fact all th- I th- all three. You put a uh, uh, you know put twenty on Chase Elliott and maybe ten on Suarez and ten on uh, Bowman. Yeah, yeah. One of those have Suarez to hit. Sitting there, Suarez sitting there at fifty to one. It's a good bet this week. It is very good. I yeah, like that. I, I'll take those odds any day of the week. Sure, Dennis. What's new at D Mike Media? Oh, my goodness, we're having so much fun. Uh, it's a very busy day for my clients today. The Midwest Classic Racers are a dwarf car series. They have their opener. Uh, we're going to be bringing coverage uh, from them all year long and uh, kind of giving a recap with the driver of the week. Uh, Matt Kemp is the driver of the week this week. You can hear that uh, over at dmikemedia.com. They're racing at mid, uh, Mid-Michigan, uh, Springport Mid-Michigan Speedway. Hard to say but a great track, and they'll put on a heck of a show tonight. It's the opening night there um, for that track up in Michigan. Also got my uh, guys from the Indy Show with a home game this week. You'll hear more about that next week. And, of course, right after this, I'm heading up north to Elmhurst, Illinois, for the uh, home opener for the Chicago Wildfire. You'll hear Wildfire Fever. And, of course, all of our other racing content next week on DMIC Media. It's interesting. It's getting warm out, Dennis, because the AC just clicked on into the uh, studio here. First time of the year for me. Feels good. It's, it does. It's great to see, and I'm glad we don't have the weather we had last week at this time. Uh, no. For the first uh, first Frisbee game, Frisbee football game of the year, because we don't need snow. Although, if you want to see some funny video, uh, I'll, I'll have to post a, uh, a video on my social media from a uh, Frisbee game that was played in the blizzard last week up in toronto it was quite hilarious very good well coming up uh, dennis once again thank you uh, we certainly appreciate it and make sure to check all this good stuff at dmike media and uh coming up in the next hour we'll be talking with david hobbs talking formula one in indianapolis but before that we're going to be talking sports cars with eddie lapine coming up next on the final inspection show why why if you why? have t-mobile 5g home internet you might be hearing this why? a lot why every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours why why because your network gives priority to cell phone users why, why? good question why not switch to cox internet with two times faster download speeds than t-mobile 5g home internet during peak hours okay stop the whys and visit cox.com 5g home for details t-mobile prioritizes certain t-mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion 